0: around the world the spirit is moving and a voice is being heard welcome to the voice of evangelism with david langford you can write to the voice of evangelism at p.o. box 502 kayser north carolina 28020 we'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast but here now is david langford
1: hello friends pastor david langford here today we'd like to welcome you To this edition of the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Monday, May the 24th, 2021. Summer is nigh upon us. Amen. I trust and pray that you have been enjoying what we have been sharing from the book of Acts. I pray that it has been an encouragement. I trust it has been a strength and an impetus to encourage you to seek God in a greater way and to work on your personal dedication and consecration unto the Lord. That word is rarely used and rarely active in Christian people's lives. What's the word? Consecration consecration, committed, dedicated, separated unto God and his service. I love Paul's verbiage in Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. That's consecration. That's the personification. That is the embodiment of a Christian believer, submitting their life. Now, I know Paul was an apostle, but let me remind you, before you're a pastor, preacher, prophet, apostle, teacher, you are a Christian. You are a Christian first. Then whatever the office might be, that follows. But you are a Christian first. Of course, God makes that decision. God makes that choice and calling people. But the point is, consecration is something that is very needful in our lives. When you're consecrated, you're going to be so committed to Christ that you will seek continually to do the right things. Consecration, it is... It is being holy. It's it's being wholly committed to God, in every sense of the word, and so many people, as I said, as Christians, they lack that element of consecration. When you consecrate yourself, that is a, you might say, a sacred act or a sacred deed. We. Dedicate churches, buildings, etc. We're talking about consecration. We're talking about holding holy, giving ourselves to the Lord God of Abraham. And I pray, and we're probably going to be talking about that tomorrow because I'm getting ready to start this series on justi- justification by faith. But I want to encourage you to work. Works do not save you, but I want to encourage you to work on your relationship, your dedication, your consecration to Christ. That, my friend, will help you greatly overcome the enemy when he comes to tempt, to test, or to try you. Before we get back into the book of Acts today, I want to play a beautiful song by Brian Free and Assurance. Listen to the words of this song, What a day that will be, and truly, what a day it will be in Christ.
0: glorious day that will be
1: that will be, I trust you will be dedicated, consecrated, separated unto Christ. That, my friend, will be a reality in your life, whether you go by the way of the grave or Christ returns in his kingdom. We left off last week in Acts chapter 10. Now, there's a reason I'm going on into chapter 11 you say, what is that reason? Because there will be those who will question what I taught and because of my clean hands and a pure heart and my desire to always be sincere, never misleading, never misrepresenting anyone, especially when it comes to the Scriptures, the Word of God. And so, it is demanded that I go on into chapter 11 because I want to address something because I taught last week Acts chapter 10 how that I believe without a doubt Cornelius was already saved already born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. But there's a verse in chapter 11 that many would use to say well see there you're wrong. That's, that's not right. But when you analyze the scriptures, and as I said, you must reconcile all the scriptures. <clears throat> and that is the reason I feel the need to address this particular verse in chapter eleven. And it's verse fourteen. We'll get to that in a moment, or maybe later on. But I always want to be straightforward and honest. I don't want to be as Paul said to those in Second Corinthians chapter four who handle the word of God deceitfully. I see a lot of people handling God's word deceitfully. They manipulate it. They twist it. And it's all about money at the end of the day. And they're teaching hyperbole that's just just things that are nonsensical. Uh, It is sad, but it is a reality. They seek to manipulate the people of God. So we see in Acts chapter 10 how that the apostle Peter is led by the Holy Ghost to go to Cornelius' house. His kinsmen, his brethren are gathered together. We saw in Acts chapter 10 how that Peter took brethren with him. We're going to see it was six brethren and it was two household servants and an Italian soldier that came to Simon the Tanner's house to get Peter, and as I said last week, I can see Peter saying, "Okay, I need some bodyguards. This guy's a Gentile. I'm a Jew. I'm not supposed to have anything to do with him. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring me some bodyguards. But I'm gonna go because God has told me to go. But I'm, I'm, I'm making sure I am secure in that that I'm attempting to do. So." We see Peter gets to Cornelius' house. And the Bible says in Acts 10 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. So while the Apostle Peter is proclaiming the word of God, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and other things, the Holy Ghost falls on these people. They received the Holy Ghost. I believe they received the Holy Ghost because they were already saved. It doesn't address salvation. It addresses baptism in the Holy Ghost. So now Peter has come back to Jerusalem and he's giving a report to the Jewish elders and leaders in the very, very infancy of the church. I mean, it's not really formed yet because God is just now beginning to bring in Gentiles. You have messianic jews but for god to build a church you have to incorporate the gentiles they were not yet incorporated but now god is beginning to develop and bring the gentiles into his church his body so let's pick it up here in acts chapter 11 as the apostle peter is bringing back a godly divinely holy ghost inspired report to the apostles So let's look at uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. this 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 is why religious people are dangerous. These apostles, these brethren, are apprehensive, they're questioning whether the Gentiles rightfully can receive of God. But we know that they can. But you're going to see there's an element of contention. Verse 2 And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, they withstood him. There was contention. Why did that exist? They were of the circumcision. They were continuing to preach circumcision, though God had saved them through grace and they had received the Holy Ghost. Now, you'll find more of this in the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. I won't get into that, but I want you to see what's taking place. These people who have been touched by God, Peter, remember in Acts chapter 10, He's telling God, I've never done this. I've never done that. I've never put anything unclean in my mouth. I've I've never done this. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And he has this vision, this revelation, three consecutive times. And what God is trying to show the apostle Peter is that he's going to save and baptize Gentiles with the Holy Ghost, and bring them into his body, the church. And of course, the apostle Peter is grappling. He's struggling with this. Just because you're saved does not mean you will not struggle in understanding what God's doing. There's there's always the great mystique. There's always the great mystery when God is working how he's working, and the way he will perform that work. And that's why you cannot become impatient or lose your patience in waiting upon the Lord and trusting him to work it out correctly divinely. Many times we don't want to do that. Don't let religion drive you to do things that God is not in. Verse 3, Acts 11, verse 3. and Here's what they were saying. The circumcision, the Jewish elders, brethren, apostles, thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. This is the contention. Peter, you went to Gentiles. No doubt you ate with them. Did you have a ham sandwich, Peter? Peter, did you eat any sausage or liver mush or bacon with these Gentiles? How dare you? How dare you? They're upset. They're livid. Peter's trying to give an honest report, an honest evaluation concerning what God is doing. Not what man is doing, but what God is doing. This is why we've got to get on board with God and forget all the other rhetorical jargon that is worthless and waste your time, endlessly wasting your time. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, so Peter is rehearsing the event, getting to Cornelius' house, his home, his kinsmen, his brethren, his household servants, and how God divinely and sovereignly moved while Peter yet spake the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And Peter, notice this now in verse 4, Acts 11, verse 4, he rehearses the matter. Not only does he rehearse the matter, he expounded, he pontificated, he elaborated more greatly more profusely by order unto them in other words he's trying to give an honest full detailed report he's trying to not leave anything out because you got to remember these of the circumcision just all when you see the word circumcision these of the circumcision or that were of the circumcision. Always remember, that's Jewish believers, but they're adamant God's not going to save Gentiles. God's not going to move in the Gentiles. God's not going to do anything with the Gentiles. But they were absolutely wrong. They were wrong. Now, Peter starts in the beginning, here in verse 5. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying And in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even unto me. Now we see that's exactly what happens in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, verse 10. And he, Peter, became very hungry and would have eaten but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending out, or excuse me, descending unto him. As it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. This is God's going to repeat it. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Watch this. Verse sixteen, Acts ten, sixteen. This was done thrice, three times. And the vessel had received up again and to heaven. And it says in verse 17, Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So remember, they're there. They're standing at the gate, the entrance of the gate to Simon the Tanner's house. And Peter now is coming to the conclusion of this vision. Now Peter's rehearsing this here in Acts 11, verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beast, and creeping things and fowls of the air. So Peter is I- identifying and addressing exactly what he saw in Acts chapter 10. Now here in Acts eleven seven, 7. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. Now this is what offends the Apostle Peter. But I said, Not so, Lord. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice, but the voice answered me again from heaven. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times. So Peter, again, is rehearsing from the very beginning how all of this came to fruition. He's trying to give an honest, accurate, godly, Holy Ghost report to the apostles and brethren at Jerusalem. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. Now, what's the purpose of them going back up into heaven? I believe it is God's way of showing Peter I'm going to save these people, baptize them in the Holy Ghost, and they're going to go to heaven with me. Because, see, these were all purportedly unclean creatures. Unclean creatures. Four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things and fowls of the air. But they go back. Verse 11. And behold, immediately there were... Three men already come unto the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. Now, see, that's what I shared. While Peter's in the trance, Peter's having the vision, Cornelius, two servants, and Italian soldier, not Cornelius himself, but the two household servants, and the Italian soldier are at the gate of Simon the Tanner's house where Peter is. So God is synchronizing very timely all of these things as they're divinely coming together. Because, you know, I shared with you how in Acts chapter 8, Stephen is stoned. You said, what a great hindrance, what a great de- deterrence in appropriating the gospel of Christ. But in Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul has a divine encounter with God. And God is now going to save and, and fill with the Holy Ghost A a Jewish, you might say, theologian, a great theologian, because he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. So Paul was a very learned man. God was moving in the early church. Now watch verse 12. And the Spirit bade me to go with them. Nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. Remember, uh, I shared he took a faction with him. But in Acts chapter 10, it doesn't tell us how many. I use the term bodyguards. Maybe they were bodyguards. Maybe they were just mere brethren. I'm just saying the apostle Peter was a fighter. He pulled his sword. He smote Malchus' ear off in the garden. Of course, Jesus reattached it and healed it. But Peter probably has the mindset, I'm going into a midst of Gentiles. I want some bodyguards. I want some guys with me that if we're going to get into a slugfest, I want to be protected. I want to be well uh, guarded, you might say. So he brings these six brethren and they accompanied me and we entered into the man's house. The man's house was Cornelius. That's the man. Because Cornelius is the man that's praying and fasting and seeking God and God hears his prayers and God moves in his life. And God honored Cornelius by the very fact he sent a personal apostle who had much time with Christ while here on the earth. So it was just not someone who was preaching a gospel message like me. It was someone who physically, literally walked with Jesus, the Lord's Christ verse 13 Acts 11:13 He showed us Cornelius showed Peter and the six brethren how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto him Send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter Now here's the controversy and I and I feel it's demanded that I address this So, some people don't say, well, you know, Pastor Lankford's twisting the Word of God. He's saying this, saying that, and it says something else. And I felt it's imperative that I speak to this, not to draw controversy, but to be honest and to be forthright. I was in prayer this morning. I said, God, I want clean hands and a pure heart. I never want to handle the Word of God deceitfully. I care about God's Word and keeping the integrity in the ministry. Now, let's look at both verse 13 and 14. And he, Cornelius, showed us, me and my six brethren, showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Some may be asking, where's the controversy? Because there'll be those who'll say, see there, Cornelius was not ever saved until Peter got there. But I shared last week how I believe unequivocally Cornelius was already a believer, that's why he was able to receive the baptism and the Holy Ghost. So let's look again at why I believe, I'm not going to say you believe or you don't believe, but why I believe Cornelius was already a blood-bought, born-again child of God. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, again about three o'clock in the afternoon, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius? And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up For a memorial before God. And now, send to Joppa, call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now, he's going to tell you, meaning Peter the Apostle, what he ought to do. But when they have the encounter, Peter never mentions. He's got to be saved. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verses 25 through 33. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any Man, common or unclean. So Peter is defending himself already. He's saying, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be here. But God has told me to come. Verse 29, Acts 10, 29. Therefore came I unto you without gang saying or protesting God, as soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? What intent? Why have you sent for me? And I believe unequivocally, adamantly, it was to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Let's go on. Well, let me ask you a question first. Do you Unsaved men pray. Do unsaved men fast? Do sinners do such a thing to the only true God? Well, the answer is no. Verse 30, and Cornelius said, now Cornelius is now going to say to Peter how he encountered an angel and what transpired in his life. Verse 30, Acts 10, verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. What does that tell you? It was about 3 p.m. in the afternoon when Peter gets there. I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So again, we see it's the same time. Four days ago at 3 p.m. Now this encounter with Peter is... In the present, but it's 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's nine, the ninth hour. Verse 31. And said, this is what the angel says to Cornelius. And said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Does God hear the prayers of sinners? No. But yet the angel says, thy prayer is heard. Even the Pharisees in John 9, 31, we know that God heareth not sinners. They had that much sense. David in Psalm 66, 18, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray. I'm Completely convinced. Cornelius was saved. I'll give you more evidence in a moment. Because he's a praying man. He is a fasting man. Listen, when I was a backslider, yeah, I shot a few prayers to God like, don't let me die while I'm drunk. Don't let me die in this bar tonight. I might get in a fight. But that's foolish. I was full of sin. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The only prayer that God hears from a sinner is firstly a prayer of repentance. We don't see where Cornelius, if you want to use the phraseology, we never see where he repented. Where in Acts 10 and Acts 11 do we see Cornelius repenting? We see him praying, praying. We see him fasting, and we certainly see him receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, as I said earlier, God greatly honored Cornelius and the fact he sent the apostle Peter to his house. Remember, Cornelius is a Gentile. Remember, Peter is struggling, grappling. You're not supposed to have anything to do with a Gentile. You're not supposed to keep company. I'm, Peter said, I'm not to go into another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean because God loves everyone. And I'm going to prove to you, Cornelius was saved, but there'll be those who will say here in Acts 11:14, 14, see there, you're wrong. You missed that. Well, hold on. I'm not done yet. I'm going to give you more evidence. Verse 33, Acts 10, 33. Immediately, this is this is Cornelius, therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. <laughs> now Cornelius is admonishing the apostle Peter, pal, you've done well, you've obeyed God. You've came. Now therefore we are all here present before God to tear off to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We're here. We're ready to receive. We're ready to receive a greater measure, a greater knowledge, a greater understanding of God. God is honoring me, Peter. I don't believe God honors sinners. He honors redeemed people. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Remember, this is a re-education time for the Jewish believers who've received the Holy Ghost. God is dealing with these people because they need to come to a greater knowledge and understanding of who God is and what God is going to do in the time of the end. Remember, it was the Apostle Peter who prophesied in Acts 2.17, It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter prophesies God's going to do this, yet he's grappling as God does it. Listen, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But when you read your Bible, do you see these little things? Do you hear these little things in the spirit? Peter's done prophesy. God's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. Yet in his carnality, he says, I ain't going to do it, God. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to fellowship. I'm not going to another nation. Yet he's prophesied. God's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. Does that mean other nations, other people, other factions, other nationalities? I believe it does. Peter's, no, 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 no. I was in prayer, and I shared this some time ago, some months maybe now. God's been dealing with me about the power of indoctrination. It can be great if it's the right doctrine. It can be devastating if it is the wrong doctrine. But there's great power in indoctrination. But is your doctrine does it line up with the word of God? Again, we have to reconcile all the scriptures. Verse 35, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. It doesn't matter if you're an Italian, a German, uh Spaniard, see, it doesn't matter to God because God is no respecter of person. And now Peter is beginning to come to that truth. He's coming to the knowledge of the truth. And that's where so many people terribly, terribly fail today. Accepted, that word accepted means he is approved of God. God has already approved Cornelius. That's why he can receive the Holy Ghost because he's already saved. Now watch this. Watch this closely. Verse 36, Acts ten thirty-six. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Peace? What kind of peace? Justification and then having peace with God. Romans 5 and 1. Believing. Believing. Cornelius was without a doubt a believer. And here's the final nail in the coffin to authenticate that. Verse 37. The word I say ye know. What I'm getting ready to say, you already know it because you're already a believer. The word I say, you know. Now you say, if Cornelius has never heard about Jesus, how could he know? Well, wait a minute. Don't get in such a hurry. You read the Bible like a a newspaper or a a, a, a poetry book. Dig, dig. Sometimes I can't get past two Bible verses. You've heard me say that because I start studying. I start exegeting. I start looking for the definition. I, I, I start digging, and I, and I get bogged down. It's hard for me to read my Bible and sit down and read a chapter because I get in that one verse, and I, I just start digging, and, well, now I'm slowed down, but I'm learning. I'm learning. Watch this, verse 37. That word, what word? Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. That's the word. That word, I say, ye know. So they already knew. How did they know what we're going to see? How did they know? Which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Oh, that ought to give you a little revelation there. That ought to give you a little insight there. How did Cornelius already know? By the preaching of John the Baptist. See, we, we forget the magnitude, the greatness, and the gravity of the ministry of John the Baptist. Remember, it was three and a half years. Or actually, longer than that. But he was preaching during the time of Christ's ministry, three and one half years. Thus, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. I'm waning, dying, drifting, wafting away. Christ is going to become greater. And, of course, he was ultimately beheaded. But Cornelius, I believe, heard salvation through John the Baptist. We see that repeated again where? In Acts chapter 19, Paul the apostle encounters a group of Ephesians. Paul says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we've not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost or not. Well, then whose baptism were you baptized unto? John the Baptist. Paul said John the Baptist's baptism was one of repentance. Peter said, ye know. How would they know? How could they know? By the message of John the Baptist. Ye know. Because John preached repentance. Repentance. Not only did John preach repentance, John also preached Jesus would baptize believers that have repented. He would also baptize them in the Holy Ghost. Let me hurry on. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all of that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And then we see as he starts preaching and continues to preach, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard these words. Now, Let's go back here to Acts chapter 11. Let's pick it up in verse 13. Cornelius says, he showed us how he had seen an angel. Peter's rehearsing to the apostles and brethren at Jerusalem what took place at Cornelius' house. Cornelius shares what happened to him with Peter, and thus Peter is saying here in verse 13, he, Cornelius, showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said, send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter who shall tell thee words without, and all thy house shall be saved. But where did we see that? Well, we didn't. Nowhere did Peter say, this is what you got to do to be saved. So why does God say that? Why why would God interject that into the message here in Acts chapter 11? First of all, because all men must be saved. You have to be saved to receive the Holy Ghost. You cannot receive anything from God unless you're a born-again believer. The group of Ephesians in Acts 19, they were believers. Man, they they believed in Jesus. But they hadn't received the, the other greater measure of the Holy Ghost. And so when God is allowing Luke, the physician, to pen this great, great book, Acts of the Apostles. There are certain times we read one thing in one chapter and we read another thing in another chapter. Now, is that because in one chapter did they not share it all? And did they add a little bit to it afterwards, more details of what took place? that's what i believe happens many times especially in the book of acts see in acts 22 verse 16 i'll give you an instance here not trying to be controversial just trying to show you where we read things that in a in a passage that we didn't read it in the passage before acts 22:16 this is supposedly and it is ananias Paul is rehearsing his encounter with Ananias. And as he's rehearsing his encounter with Ananias, sharing his testimony, he says, Ananias said here in Acts 22, 16, And now why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You notice what it says? I want you to catch this. And this is Paul telling those there what Ananias says to him. Acts 22, 16. And now, and now, why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. All right, let's go back to Acts chapter 9 and Paul's conversion, and let's see if we can find that. Well, the truth is you're not going to find it. But let's go back. Acts chapter 9. God has encountered Ananias. He's already encountered Saul, smote him, blinded him. Now God's dealing with Ananias. Ananias is tore up. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This guy's evil, and you want me to go lay hands on him? So let's see the conversation in Acts 9 between Ananias and Saul. Saul, or Paul. Acts 9, 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, Paul said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Do we see anywhere in there? Ananias says, Wash away thy sins, be baptized in water, etc., etc. No. This is why I'm adamant you have to reconcile scriptures. You, you have to look at everything that's being said, how it is being said, the way it's being said, the place it's being said. Here in Acts 11, 14, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shalt be saved. I believe without a doubt, Cornelius was a blood-born-again child of God. And the reason he sent Peter there was so Peter would 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 believe that God was dealing with the Gentiles and they could be saved and they could receive the Holy Ghost. Now, remember, Peter is rehearsing the words of Cornelius and is giving a witness, a testimony, um, a report to the apostles and the brethren at Jerusalem here in Acts eleven. He's telling everything. That happened, how it happened. Again, when reading the book of Acts, you'll see at times just like I just here's two instances. We 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 witness how the event unfolded. Then we witness when they're reporting it. There's a little bit something added to it. You might say it's like the synoptic gospels. You read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew twenty four, Mark thirteen. Uh, Luke 17 and Luke 21, you have all the apocalyptic end-time verbiage. You see none of that in the book of John. None. John does not give us a chapter of the apocalyptic end-time events, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke does. See, the gospel stays in harmony. It's just people sometimes don't understand it. It's, it's not that God's not trying to let them understand it or conceal something or hide something. They just are unable to go to that other level. First Corinthians 2, 14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolish unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now, because of integrity's sake, I felt I needed to address Acts 11 and verse 14, because there'll be those who'll say, see there, he said, Cornelius was already saved, but this verse says he wasn't saved. But if you really read the 10th chapter of Acts, and especially when Peter says, and ye know, and then he goes in to the message of John the Baptist, that's how many of these Gentiles were hearing and being saved. The group of Ephesians, the message of, that John the Baptist was preaching had already reached Ephesus. Because remember in Acts 19, it is a group of Ephesians that are believers. Paul said he received the Holy Ghost since you believed. They said, We've not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost or not. Whose baptism? How did you come to know God? How, how did you have this encounter with God then? Why are you even a disciple? You see, these are the things, and regrettably, Today's church, man, the day's church is terribly, 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 terribly anemic in the word. They're terribly, they're terribly lacking in the word. Acts 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Under what then were ye baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. See, you had... Gentile believers and what they were lacking was the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the endowment of power for service. And God is having to deal with the Jewish apostles that have received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. And as I well said, I hope, Peter prophesied God's going to pour out of his Spirit upon all flesh Yet Peter then turns around and and wants to be somewhat stubborn and say, I'm not going there. Not going to do that. I'm not going to fellowship with Gentiles or uh, with other nations. I'm not going to do that. God is having to work on these people just like God is having to work on me and God is having to work on you. I don't want God working on me. Well, then you'll never get anywhere. You know, that's. One of the great things of having clean hands and a pure heart, you're constantly growing in grace and in knowledge. You got people that are stuck like Chuck, they they, they can't get past anything. They're just the same old, same old mundane, same old rhetorical jargon, same thing with Bible prophecy. You got 98% of prophecy teachers teaching the same old stuff they've been teaching for a hundred years. Nothing new, nothing fresh, no revelation, no uh, expounding and differences. Why? Because they're not seeking God. They're just rehashing what they've already been taught and trying to put another slant on it, uh, another phrase on it, uh, another terminology. But it's, it's not rhema. It's not something fresh. Then when you come along and you preach something fresh, you get lambasted. Who does he think he is? Where does he think he's coming from? That's what Paul said. He said, brethren, the gospel which was preached of me, it is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.11. Don't we believe God still gives revelation to those who seek him? Don't we believe that? Or or, or are we just not going to believe there is a God of revelation? Are Are we not going to believe that? Are we not going to embrace that? Is God unable to reveal anything new to us? Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation And the knowledge of him give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. I still believe if we are consecrated, we pursue God. See, that's what Cornelius was doing. He was chasing God. And he chased God with what knowledge he had. All the knowledge he had was saving knowledge. That's why there in Acts 10, 35, God says, if you fear God and you do right, you're accepted. They were living by faith by what they knew. You cannot go further with God until you learn more, until you grow more. You'll be stuck in that same old rut. I had a preacher, he's dead and gone now. God bless his heart. Leroy Tucker. He said, you know what a rut is? I said, what? He said, it's a grave with both ends knocked out. A grave with both ends knocked out. And that's what happens to the church and religious people. They get in a rut. And in theory, they're in a grave with both ends knocked out. And they're not going any further with God. They just stuck. This is why when I read my Bible... I do pray God open my understanding that I might understand the scriptures. And as I said, I start reading and then I start studying. And then I quit being able to go on because I get stuck in a passage and I want to know it. I want to to discern it. I want to go further with it. And of course, Peter here in Acts 11, he says, When the Holy Ghost fell on them, as it fell on us in the upper room, he said, I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, John indeed baptized with water, but he said, ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. They've got the light gift. God has granted unto them repentance, unto everlasting life. God has also baptized them in the Holy Ghost. I pray some small way we've opened your eyes even a little greater today To the truth of God's Word. The
0: Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina 28020.